friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. Welcome back to our spoiler section, Scooby Secrets. Um, just a fair warning, um, if you forgot to log off and you're like, oh, I don't want to hear spoilers, this is probably the time for you to log off. Um, but if you want to know, if you want to know and you're like a longtime Buffy fan, we welcome you. We're really excited. Um, Passion has, I like, this is probably the most I've written down for either foreshadowing or just stuff that like correlates um, to other episodes in the future. So I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah. And this is also going to be spoilers for the show Angel as well as for Buffy mm-hmm. the Vampire Slayer. David, have you seen Angel yet? I have seen select episodes from Angel. Okay. I have not seen all of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Yeah. You should probably leave. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah. You're going to be getting some information Yeah, you're going to be getting some spoilers today, but maybe it'll make you excited to watch the show sometime. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the first thing that I had was the direct correlation between this episode and even amends. I was going to say, you guys remember that it's the the only Christmas episode Mm -hmm. on Buffy and it's in season three and it's when we actually have the first comeback, but it's, Mm -hmm. it chooses its form to be Jenny calendar as a, as a way to torment angel. And it's interesting because Angel is still not invited into Giles' house at that point. Mm-hmm. And he comes to Giles for help. And Giles invites him in, but with the crossbow. Mm-hmm. And I was reading somewhere online and they were like, why did Giles invite him in? Like, that just seems yeah. risky. But Giles wanted to kill Angel. Like, he wanted a reason to kill Angel. And so I think in that moment when he had the crossbow on, he was kind of just daring him, like, do anything and I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. Um, and it's just interesting to see, like, the contrast between that episode and then – um what was the other episode? Oh, out of mind, out of sight when Giles meets Angel for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then this episode as well. And I just, I don't know. I kept thinking It's just like crazy to me because like, uh, we talked a little bit in the non-spoiler section about how like death is treated as a big deal on the show. And this is like the very tip of the iceberg. This is the first big major death in the show. We have many more after this but the relationship between giles and angel never fully it never recovers recovers yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, giles angel able to kind of be cordial and be nice and be friendly with angel i think a lot of it is for buffy's sake i don't even so think he he's friendly i think he just tolerates angel i think so as well but we even see in season five of angel um yeah Angel calls Giles because he needs Willow's help with something. Yeah. And Giles thinks that uh, Angel is evil yeah. and just completely hangs up the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few times we see that throughout the show where Giles is Giles is very kind about it. He's not like Xander where he like rubs it in Buffy's face. But he's very clear. But he's very clear that like he never trusts him again, which I feel like is realistic. Yeah. Like yeah. if there was someone in your life that even if it wasn't their own fault, but they killed someone you love, like you're never going to fully get over that. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 I would always be worried about Angel turning back into Angelus. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you're like, I know it's not your fault. There's still like, you can't disassociate the two. Like they're in the same body. So it's really hard to figure yeah. out. Yeah. I think it's interesting um, because there's, there's multiple deaths in the show. We have um, 
Jenny, who was just killed, then Buffy's mom, Joyce, who dies, and then it's Tara. And those are like mm-hmm. the main deaths, besides the last episode where um, Anya, Anya, dies. Anya dies. But the main ones that are like kind of emotional and stuff like that, they're all from like natural, non magical like mm. yeah. things. Oh, that's interesting. So mm-hmm. Jenny gets her neck snapped. Joyce ends up dying from cancer. And then Tara, um, from, Tara a from a shot. Uh, from a gun yeah and so it's interesting to me that in a magical world um joss whedon chose to make all of the big deaths by natural things well okay not i'll say non-magical things because they're not technically natural but i think that he wanted to do that because it feels a lot more real when they die from something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. rather than dying from you know jumping in a you know, right. giant vortex. <laughs> yeah. Cause like Buffy technically dies, but like then there was that loophole of her being able to raise from the dead. So I think that he also wanted to show that if you die from natural causes, there's no coming back from right. that. Yeah. It feels a lot more final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a lot more grounded too. When you see someone dying from a gunshot wound or from cancer, you can relate to that a lot more. And that's ultimately what Buffy is. Even though it's a supernatural show, it's very grounded in reality. And that's why people resonate with it so much because we can see ourselves. We can see these scenarios actually happening to us. Maybe they have happened to us. And so it makes it that much more real. Right. Um, also, if you haven't seen Angel, uh, spoilers, uh, Spike is on season five. So if you're thinking, you're like, what? I think you, you missed out that, Spike. Right? I did actually okay, know yeah. already. I'm like, what? You missed out Spike? No. Um, the amulet preserved his body and then brought him over to the um, where Angel was in yeah. Wolfram and Hart. And even if Spike did die, I mean, Spike is a supernatural creature, so he would have to die right. from supernatural means. So that's a little different. But at least all the human characters died from human ways even Anya died from a blade even though it was from a demon and that's something also that Buffy does well is even the the characters that die that get resurrected there's still residual trauma from their death yeah, like yeah. even those deaths are still mm-hmm. treated with respect and shown to you know greatly impact um, the characters going forward like Buffy's whole arc in the later seasons is revolving around her trying to get over like the trauma of her death yeah yeah yep. Yeah, it's not a flippant death. Every They don't just kill people off for ratings. They do it with intentionality and for either pushing the characters forward um, or to kind of make a statement for the audience. It's just, yeah, it's very intentional mm-hmm. and I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to talk about Buffy sensing or not sensing Angelus because I know I mentioned in this non-spoiler section um, that Buffy can't sense Angelus in her room. We have had several instances where Buffy does actually sense Angel. And I think that's partly because she's a slayer and can sense vampires. But I think this is also like a different relationship. She's so connected right. with Angel because we also see that in Pangs in season four when Angel's mm-hmm. on his own show and he comes back and she doesn't know he's there and he's watching her for the entire episode. She senses that he's in Giles's apartment at one point. And Giles is like um, trying to throw Buffy off the fact that Angel's there. And then she leaves and then Angel comes out and you realize, oh, she was sensing Angel and Giles picked up on that. Mm-hmm. I just think that's interesting that she doesn't know that Angelus is there. And I think that's just showing that Buffy can see the difference between the two right. of them. And I think like Joss wanted everyone else to feel the difference between Angel and Angelus. Oh, yeah. Because we've seen several times where he's been in her bedroom or like by the window and she's invited him in. She's known him known that he's there like sarah said but i think he like 
I don't know, like what you're saying, Sarah, in non-spoiler version, like Joss wanted Angel to be redeemable and he wanted there to be a complete difference between Angelus and Angel. And this is just one of those more subtle, I don't know, examples of that. Yeah. And I think that it's, they needed um, Angel to do something completely irredeemable to the point where he would need to die. Um, Because if they didn't, like we had seen up until this episode that um, Angel had just kind of been messing with people and, you know, I'm sure he had killed innocent people as well. Um, but like no one that would directly affect them. And I think that Angel needed to do something that was completely wrong because you needed to get to the end of the season where Buffy ultimately has to kill him. And then that heartbreaking moment. Where yeah. And, and what's our theme for this season? It's becoming, right? And in some ways, it's also, you know, sacrificing to become who you are going to become. Yeah. It's becoming, Buffy's fully, she, season one, we talked about our theme was acceptance. Buffy accepting her role as a slayer. Giles accepting his role as a watcher, but also accepting that Buffy's not going to be a normal slayer. And then it's the rest of the game, gang accepting, um, that Buffy, that there are vampires, that there's supernatural, that, that mm-hmm. accepting that this is their new reality. reality. Mm-hmm. And so with season two, now Buffy is like, okay, I've accepted that role. Now what does that mean? Yeah. That means mm-hmm. that I literally have to sacrifice everything. Um, and that in, in, in sacrificing, she becomes the slayer truly by the end of the season. Yeah, right. And I mean, you have, and we'll talk about it when we get there, but you have that really powerful scene at the end of the mm-hmm. season where Angel is kind of... Yeah, no weapons, of, Yeah, no he's friends. like, he's saying, you have nothing left. What do you have? And she has me. And that's mo- that's Buffy really becoming mm-hmm. herself, yep. really becoming the Slayer, mm-hmm. realizing that it's not a job, it's who she is. Yep, yeah. Ah, so good. I wanted to take a second just to talk about um, where Jenny has come from, like the gypsies and how like Angel... Um, tortured one of the what'd she say was like a romani gypsies yeah yeah but like was it like a a princess or like what was it she was just one of the daughters there i don't think she was anybody special okay um but in um buffy we don't see him torture her or anything like that we just see the moment where he gets his soul back and he's running back to the gypsies and then someone tells him oh you don't remember now but you'll remember and you'll have to live your whole life remembering all the horrible things you've done and then watching angel like i did not think we were ever going to see it but there was that one episode where he's with um darla he's with darla and then she gives him a present and it's the gypsy woman and then um he like like it's really like it's a hard scene to watch but he like really just like is awful to her um and then he gets his soul like and it's just like it's hard to watch but it's really important for angel's character because you see a lot of flashbacks in angel like i think way more than in buffy Mm -hmm. um and i think that watching that episode is like it helps you understand Angels more and then it helps you understand Buffy again. So when you rewatch Buffy, you're like, you know all a lot more of a backstory and what actually happened. Yeah, you even see him um, and Darla uh, right before they turn Drusilla as well. You just see yeah. a lot of those moments where he has a history of um, torturing these women psychologically and then also, and then either killing them or turning them. And it's, so I think like, Watching Buffy having seen Angel, knowing what he did to Drusilla and that gypsy girl, it 
it's a lot more powerful going back and seeing passion because you're you're seeing a lot of the same things happening over and over again. Yeah. I want to talk about Willow in yeah, this one. Yeah. Wrote down the because things. Willow's arc, as we've talked about, is her abuse of power and her desire for power and control um, and how that leads to an addiction for magic and an addiction to um, control and power. And I think we see her because she jumps to an 11 in this when she's talking to Jenny Callender. Oh, yeah. She's like, Oh, well, what if they don't respect my authority? Therefore, mm-hmm. I need to, bam, assign detention, Punish make them. them run laps. Like, it's just very extreme. Yeah, she jumps from like zero to 10 immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it it makes sense then when you watch season six and she, you know, just goes crazy after Tara and all the other stuff. It just, I think it's a natural thing for her to just jump all the way there when things are out of control and when she feels vulnerable or helpless. Well, she's so obsessive about control in her own life that mm-hmm. when she's out of control or something's out of control around her, her first instinct is to try to like grab hold and hold on to it as, as tightly as she can. Yeah. And I like how we're starting to see more of her magic and stuff. We saw her cast a spell at um, Buffy's house. And yeah. so it's like, obviously, these are the baby, baby, baby steps. But like, Joss does a really, really good job of slowly building her up. And like you see every single time she starts to like take a step towards gaining more power and that kind of consuming her. Mm-hmm. And like people who watched the first two seasons, if I told them that Willow was going to be like that in season six, they'd be like, what? That's ridiculous. Not That's not her. But it is in her character. And I think that people look at how sweet she is and think that she can never do that. But it's consistent because like Leah said, he brings it from the beginning and slowly, slowly makes it worse and worse until the end. That's what makes a consistent character. As long as it makes sense over time, you can't just have like an immediate switch. And I think that people don't recognize the earlier stages and earlier like red flags. Yeah, because season one, we have Willow. She has no problem breaking into the police database to look up the coroner's reports or to look up 911 calls and other things like that. And every time Giles is like, um, is this legal and everything? She's like totally fine with, you know, mm-hmm. having no problem breaking rules and breaking into people's lockers. In fact, she almost, I think she relishes it because it gives her a sense of importance and power. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just interesting to watch that kind of like as it snowballs, like she takes little compromises here and there and eventually it's something big. I also think it's interesting to see how Joyce and Buffy are interacting at this point because Mm -hmm. we know that their relationship at the end of season two is very like fractured Mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, Joyce finds out about Buffy being a slayer and kind of rocks her world and she doesn't want her going out. She goes out. Buffy ends up running away. Um and so it's very interesting to to see that Joyce can tell Buffy's been hiding something from her, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like shows that she was a good parent all along. Like she knew there was something she was hiding. She wasn't able to kind of bring it out of her. Um, but it's just interesting to see those kind of like little stones kind of piling up. Leah's triggered that people called Joyce a bad parent. So now she's going to use am. any example. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like, actually I, a big part of the, like a lot of people actually think that. I've never heard that. That's insane. 
I, well, yeah, but Tabs, have you been on Reddit? Have you been on like, there's a bunch of people out there who are like, Joyce is not a great parent. Like, I feel like the Buffy fandom is really split on like major key they issues. Are. Yeah, they are. They really are. Sometimes Just like any I'm like, fandom. I can't believe we watch the same show sometimes. I'm like, that is not at all what I picked up. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's the beauty of the show is you're able to take things and kind of like, they sometimes have double meanings on things. So it can be yeah. interpreted by whoever is watching it. Um, I was thinking specifically of, uh, normal again because we were talking about why Buffy wouldn't tell her mom that she was a slayer and as we find out in season six Buffy actually did tell her parents that she was a slayer and they locked her up in an institution and so Mm. it's just interesting to me like knowing that watching this and her being like wrestling with telling her mom because she's like was she gonna send me back to an institution and she doesn't tell Giles that she doesn't tell the rest of them that but that's something else that Buffy's probably wrestling through while she's sitting down to dinner is mom and dad or mom might lock me up and think I'm crazy again yeah also, the magic shop looks completely different. And that's actually not the magic box. It's not the same. I magic can tell. Shop. I can yeah, tell. It's a completely different store. But yeah, I because I looked that up. I was like, mm-hmm. is that the magic box? It's not. The, it's different. The door is on the completely other side of the store. And the stairs going down. That never happened. It was like a straight street that you walked right into. One thing that I'll say Joss Wheaton does really well is power progression, like especially with Willow. It you know, you can see every logical step she makes in her power. Like, you know, oh, she'll unlock this ability here and then, you know, she'll <laughs> unlock like unlock, yeah, yeah. Level up <laughs> Willow. Level up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But that's kind of, that's kind of what she's doing, you know, but it's like little bits at a time and then 3 seasons later she's this powerhouse, but it's it makes sense because you saw her progression, you saw her earn it. You know, and you saw like what it took for her to get to that next level. So that's something that Joss Wheaton does well is just showing progression in power and in character yeah. growth. Yeah. And kind of in the same type of wheelhouse, I guess, like it's interesting seeing Spike slowly starting to side away from Angel mm-hmm. because when he first came in, he found out that Angel had a soul. He was mad. He's like, you were my sire. Like you were everything to me, blah, blah, blah. Then Angel gets his soul back you know, and Spike is like psyched. And then, like, you're starting to see him slowly start being like, oh, this dude's crazy. He's making a lot of decisions that I don't agree with. He's kind of taking um, Drusilla's attention away from me. And you're, you're kind of seeing him starting to be pushed to the end of season two when he ultimately sides with Buffy to just get rid of Angel. Well, it's just, and I believe these scenes, the way they were played, were um, what spurred everybody in in angel the series to show that backstory between spike and angel and how they've always been kind of like at each other's throats they want to be king of the hill essentially and i Mm -hmm. think spike has always felt inferior compared to angelus because angel sleeps with drusilla when he knows spikes with her and then you have um uh, what was it oh yeah and the writers originally wrote spike to be killed off by angel and then James Marsters was so charismatic and their chemistry was so good, um, especially with Angel and Spikes and how they were going at each other that they decided to keep him around and eventually had him turn on Angel and Drusilla at the end of the season. Wait, Sarah, did Angel sleep with Drew and Angel? Yeah. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. It was it was like 
It was a flashback. It was a flashback and it was after they had all been traveling for like a while. He did it to say to Spike, hey, yeah. I'm the king around here and I can yeah. take your girls. It was when like to. it was mm-hmm. when Spike was starting to like test him a lot. Yep. He did I it as a power that. move. Yeah. And then and then he went around and grabbed Drusilla while she was holding out her arms for Spike to come and he basically dared Spike and said, Come get your woman. If you do, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you or I'm gonna attack Yeah, and Spike you. didn't. And Spike didn't. And so Spike and that's the same episode that uh, um Spike and Angel have this massive fight. There's an entire episode where they're both fighting. And oh, that's the yeah, same one. Yeah, it's the same one. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, a, it's a good I need episode. To I don't remember the, the name of it. so good. Yeah. Um, but you know, and, and it's addressed more in season five of Angel, but Spike and Angel truly have a hatred for each other. Mm-hmm. And they both, because, you know, they're two roosters in the same hen house, you know? But yeah. Um, also, when. Willow was in her room and she was like mailing up the crucifixes. Yeah. And she said that um, my dad will be mad at me because we're Jewish. I just like had like major flashbacks. I think season three or maybe it's the end of the season. No, season three where um, her parents find out that she's like um, doing witchcraft and that she's dating Oz. They only focus on Oz. They're like, oh, bring Oz over because we want to like meet him. I feel like they only focus on the negative things about Willow. They don't focus about the positive things. So it's like when she says that they seem very like absent parents. Um, so when she says like, oh, like my parents are only going to notice like the crucifixes on my wall. It's like they only really focus on like the stuff they can reprimand her about. Yeah, they they in that episode, it's the one where Amy turns into a rat. Mm-hmm. They, it's gingerbread is the name. Uh, the, you meet her mom for the first and only time, yeah. and she goes back to ignoring her at the end of the episode. So they think her parents are just completely oblivious and yeah. don't care yeah. either way. I think in, um, I think at the end she says, "Oh, they happen to remember through all of that that I was dating Oz, so he has to come over for dinner." Like it was the one thing they conveniently remembered. Yeah, but they went back to ignoring all of the witchcraft and all of the magic that was in the town, vampires and stuff, just like everybody else in the yeah. town. Yeah, and I think that willow's character would make sense if her whole childhood like as long as she was being good and quiet and everything Mm. her parents just let her do whatever she wanted Mm. right and so i think Mm -hmm. that that's why you kind of get a character like willow who's very good and quiet controlling everything but does questionable things because she was never really taught morality she was just taught like be sneaky be about s- your be sneaky yeah, what and you're doing. Don't get caught. And, yeah, that's you know a good those point. kind yeah. of things. Her parents only seem to really care when she does something that affects them. Like yeah. she's um, yeah. when she was putting up the uh, the cross on the wall. I forget her dad's name. Ira. She, yeah, Ira. She was like, oh, Ira. You know, Ira's daughter would be doing this. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that um, her dad would be mad at her for not being, you know, a, a Jewish. It's that her dad's mad oh, because he's oh, her daughter. Of it. So it's it's the appearance, it's you know, the like it refers That's back to him. So it seems hmm. like her parents just kind of ignore her until they do something that inconveniences them. Or just makes them look bad to exactly. other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Good, Which, and that's how you get an extreme legalistic child who's right. on the verge of, you know, cracking because they're sitting there trying to uphold their parents' mm-hmm. standard. Yep. And, and they also feel like they have no power, yeah. which is why Ooh, they are powerful. We just wow. cracked Willow. We cracked her. <laughs> <laughs> Psychologically analyzing these fictional characters. Yeah, okay. And then I think that's the same scene where she talks about the Snoopy dance. Because <laughs> the really see- important stuff on no, uh, the spoiler see- section. <laughs> the okay, dance. so in season five, it's um it's the episode where there's the twins 
and it's the two Xanders. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he does the Snoopy dance. And he dance. does the Snoopy dance to mm-hmm. Willow to prove that it's really him. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. And I love yeah. that they like call back. And that, okay, that's what makes Buffy so cool. It's incredibly intertwined. And you actually had the writers and Joss have have both said they will go back and watch episodes to look for things like that to insert into future episodes. Mm -hmm. But it creates a cohesive whole universe that feels very realistic. Like you have Jonathan that walks into this episode and he's come in and out and he's barely had any lines. And then he becomes, he's a character we see all the way through season seven. He has his own episode in season four. He has, um, he becomes a supervillain in season six and then, you know, ends up being sacrificed in season seven. Like, he is he becomes a a well-rounded character that you know his fears and his desires and like yeah it's just really and he's a such a secondary side character you know yeah i love it um i also wrote down the contrast between angel watching buffy cry in this episode through the window and where have we seen that from oh the flashback yeah. the flashback where he's watching her cry when she's oh, just yeah. called as the slayer in a, and a her parents are fighting later. in like the living room and she walks into the bathroom and she's just crying in the mirror yeah. i just like it's so sad to see the parallels between like sweet angel like feeling bad for buffy and then angel causing her pain but and that, watching that her makes cry. a lot of sense tabs because willow says he's still the only thing you can think yep. about mm-hmm. showing the contrast angel and angelus still can't stop thinking about buffy yeah I think he mentions, he tells her that. He said, I saw you and I loved you. Mm-hmm. I think that was in Helpless. Yeah. Because she was talking about how she felt helpless. And he was like, you can never be helpless. Well, and she also gave him purpose in that moment. Because mm-hmm. he was floundering and he was like, hey, here's a slayer that needs guidance. I can help her. Right. And then as Angelus, she gives him purpose because he needs something to do. Oof. Some way to like show out his rage and his wrath on innocence. It's her. Yep. And then I just thought this was cool. The They mentioned that the guy in the magic shop mentions that they've been using the orb of Thessala. A lot of people use them as paperweights because they don't know what to do with them because they don't have an actual translation. And then in Prophecy Girl, or sorry, not Prophecy Girl, in Becoming either part one or part two, Willow's like, well, we don't have an orb of Thessala because it was smashed. And Giles is like, oh, I have one. I've been using it as a paperweight. Oh. And he goes like in his office and he pulls it out. And I just thought that was like a funny callback. I don't know. They just like this show Seems is so like cool. a convenience writing, but <laughs> I like, mean, we'll put this in because maybe we'll have to use it in the future. But also, it makes sense that Giles would have that because Giles has a lot of other like relics and stuff. So it makes sense that he would just like have one lying around. He's like, this is magical and it's kind of cool. I'll use it as a paperweight. Like, yeah, it's just something if a librarian magic existed. I would have like tons of magical items because you never know when you're going to use it. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. And also, they glow regardless of whether there's a soul in it or not. So I, I like love a- that Giles is like, this is shiny. I'm going to use this yeah. to hold my papers. I'd like a rabbit sweater on my neck all the time yeah <laughs> right no but I, he's like all proud of himself he's like i've been using that as a paperweight <laughs> i know we've mentioned how spike especially in school hard he doesn't wait around to kind of toil with his prey he's like i'm just gonna break into the school while they're having parent teacher night and i'm just gonna kill her um whereas the difference between angelus is he tries to like play with them and kind of like toil with them because he gets yeah. pleasure out of it and when he comes back, Spike says, you're, you're supposed to kill the bish, not l- leave little gag gifts. Yeah. Angel and Spike are really the difference between someone who's devious and someone who's just evil. Like, Spike is just evil. He just wants to go and, you know, have chaos and kill everybody and have fun and then go home. Whereas, like, 
Angel likes to be devious and, you know, make everyone kind of suffer before he ends up killing them. Well, one is patient, one is not. And I think that uh, Angel is kind of a mastermind and that he likes to think through everything and plot out each step and be very meticulous versus Spike. He, and we'll see throughout the show, Spike has always said constantly, I'm not the smartest person. And he's really isn't. He, Spike's very impulsive too. He's a very impulsive. He's a, he's Follows a, his heart. But he's also, it's weird because he's also a poet. So like you have Angel over there waxing poetic and drawing pictures and then William or uh, yeah, Spike William over there like writing poems for the women he loves. And I think there's a lot more similarities between the two of them Mm -hmm. than they would like to admit. But it's also interesting because like we've talked, I think David pointed out on the non-spoiler section that like even though with or without a soul, like it's still the same personality, just corrupted. And mm-hmm. I really like that you show that even as a soulless vampire, like Angel is completely, he's he loves control. He loves control. He loves thinking about things. He's not an impulsive person. Angel is not like that. Like he, even when he, like when he has a soul, you see him, he thinks through things. He's very like methodical and like, and then you see the opposite with Spike, like with or without a soul, he's impulsive and rash. He's driven by passion and love. And so it's like they're the same person, just, you know, with or without a soul. And that's something that when you watch this on a, a rewatch, you you kind of get more because the first time you see it, um, when Angel turns into Angelus, you're like, oh, well, it's a whole different character. Like nothing mm-hmm. that they do reflects badly in Angel. But then when you watch the whole series, you know, when Spike gets a soul, it's not like Spike is different character. Like he's still Spike. He's just mm-hmm. a moral Spike. And so it kind of puts um, Angel's actions, uh, makes him a little bit more reprehensible because mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, it's not that Angel became this whole different guy. He just lost his morality. And so it's still Angel there, still doing that, still like preying on people, you know. So it kind of kind of makes you think about his actions in a little bit of a, you know, harsher light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would Spike be... Um different if he was constantly tortured versus angel because angel and spike yes they both have a soul but how they got it was in different ways you know angels is literally a cursed soul so even though he can never feel peace while he has his soul so he's constantly tortured versus spike and we see that he's a lot more free to kind of even though he has a soul now he can still choose to be evil if he wants to because we've seen humans with souls be evil you know having a soul doesn't mean you're automatically just good so so I think that that's something that when we watch Angelus, he's a lot more free than Angel because he's he's not tortured. And so yeah. and yeah. I think a big part of that is also personality. I think that like, yes, Angel's soul does torture him. But I also think that Angel is like someone who I think is very harsh on himself and very critical of himself. And so therefore he chooses to kind of torture himself based on what he's done in the past. Whereas Spike is much more like, I'm going to think of the, you know, the future and more positive things and recognizes the bad, but is more like, I can't change what I did. So I'm just going to move forward. Yeah. And I think that's the impulsive nature in him. He's like, yeah, eh, whatever. I can't control it. Moving on kind of thing. Yeah. And I think in Angel season five, they have some really good moments where Spike is forced to confront the things that he did in the past and for him to actually be like, oh, I am a bad person. Right. I have to slow down because I don't feel like we see a lot of that in right. Buffy. And I think I judge Spike a little too harshly sometimes. I think some of it is some of it's very, warranted. very accurate. Yeah. Some of it's warranted. Um, but I think when it comes I I really 
I always kind of wish that he is remorseful right away in season seven. Um, and then you watch Angel and you're like, oh, Angel had a hundred years where he screwed up in between then. Like there's an episode in Angel where um, he has his soul, but he's like super hungry. And this man, like, I think, what does he pass out inside like a shop? Yeah, well, he's about to die. Oh, he's he's about not to die. dead yet. And so Angel kind of takes the opportunity and like drinks him and he feels Instead guilty of calling 911. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's like Angel wasn't perfect. Like, and Spike actually moves a lot faster than Angel did. Angel just like sulked and was like a homeless man and like fed on rats for like forever because he didn't want to face reality. I think Which, part of that is because of Spike's choice to get his soul. Yeah. Like Spike mm-hmm. made true. the decision to mm-hmm. go and the transformation for him to get the soul was extremely painful, you know, and, and very taxing on him. And he knew that and he gladly paid that price to get his soul. You know, Angel, it was forced upon him and it was something that he had to come to terms with. Yeah, and it was where, also a curse too. Ex- exactly. Whereas Spike, you know, once he made that decision, he never looked back. And it's also a little different, too, because, like, when Angel got his soul, he was surrounded by a bunch of vampires who had never heard of a vampire having a soul before. He was an outcast. He didn't understand himself. Whereas Spike. Spike... New Angel knew what it was like to have a soul, and he ha- he was surrounded by the Scooby Gang, who mm-hmm. would help him with his morality and kind of like push him forward. Well, somewhat, and stuff. but at least he yeah. had some purpose. He and could he go understood. Back and fight. He understood what good looked like. Yeah. Whereas, like Angel was kind of sent to suffer alone. Yeah. And so it's like there is like a little bit of a difference between the Absolutely. two. Absolutely. And I think all those things make a big difference. And everybody's like, well, why? Everyone keeps talking about the similarities of the two guys, and like, well, why didn't Spike act this way? or angel and it's like i think with all the points we've talked about there's some obviously very big factors that would cause them to act differently with their soul than without it um i also wanted to point out um i know tabby mentioned angel or angels looking in the window and we don't quite hear what's being said we can just see their faces um buffy does this a lot because in the body the way that um, Dawn finds out that her mom died as you're looking yep. through a window and mm-hmm. you're seeing Buffy tell her. And, and then again at yeah. the gift when Buffy's talking to Dawn, they like to pull out and have you take in the moment and feel their emotions without being distracted by what yeah. they're saying. I think mm-hmm. a part of that is also the fact of when you have a death in an episode, you you need to show everyone in the episode grieving, but you don't want it to look the same every single time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sometimes it's put in there to give some variety. And so it's like, you're going to have the people like Anya who, you know, was talking about how she was confused. And then you're going to have the people like Willow who's trying to distract herself. And like, yeah. and then you're yeah. going to have the people like Dawn who like, you're going to pull it out and you're just going to see her, you know, emotional mm-hmm. reaction. And I think that- Xander trying to be in the backbone. Exactly. So it's like, I think that that's what a good director and writer does is they show pain and stuff in different ways and they show it in new ways so that the viewer is kind of not bored by just one emotion. And the viewer is allowed to um, project themselves onto the character. Yes. You know, if you don't have any dialogue mm-hmm. and all you're seeing is the emotions on the face, yeah. you're allowed exactly. to fill in yeah. that dialogue and that emotion with your own. So anybody who's ever gone through a really difficult loss can attribute their own emotion to Buffy in that scene. Yeah. Um, you don't need to hear the dialogue to understand what's going on, but it makes it so so much broader so that you can put your own experiences in there. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, that's something that Joss does really well is he shows, not tells, and we've talked this 
about this before, a good movie, film, whatever is going to bring the audience along with them and not just sit there and tell them how to feel. They're going to they're going to allow them to feel they're going to guide them in the direction that they want. And I think that Buffy does this so incredibly well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of the last things I had was Angel's sketching skills. I know. Why doesn't he sketch (laughs) as like someone with a soul? Right. But it's interesting because we see him sketch an angel, but when do we see him sketching? We see him sketching when he's kind of obsessed over Darla. And when he's kind of like, he draws Darla and we see him draw Buffy. We Mm -hmm. see him draw Jenny. We've only seen him draw women. And it's usually when he's um, incredibly preoccupied and not in a healthy state. Because when he's drawing Darla, he's in season two Angel, who is um, getting, uh, he's not getting much sleep because Darla keeps coming to him. And he's not in a good uh, mental headspace. And he's kind of spiraling. And so he's starting to take on some of Angelus's tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess I should say angels because as we find out, like their personalities, right. they kind of blend into each other. Yeah. yeah. We see like even Angel himself confirms that in Doppelgangland in season three, where like um, Willow's like, and I think I'm kind of gay because the, um, yeah, the vampire, vampire Willow. Willow's there. And then uh, Buffy's like, well, you know, like she's a vampire and you guys like have different personalities. And Angel's like, well, actually, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, Buffy looks at him. And then also in amends, too, when Buffy and Angel are on top of the mountain, are on top of the hill, and mm-hmm. Angel wants to die, and Buffy comes to him, and he goes, Buffy, it's not the demon in me that needs killing. It's the man. Because he realizes in that moment that there is a part of them that actually is wicked. and that mm-hmm. He's um, still a demon. Yeah. And well, and there it's not the demon part of him that wants to take solace in Buffy. It's the man part of him. And I think that's just such a beautiful picture of us wrestling with, you know, um, what's inside of us, the evil inside of us. And yeah, it's just a very powerful moment. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then the last thing I have was Willow calls Giles Bookman in this episode. And that happens in one other episode with another character, um, Angel Season 5, Fred Calls Wesley Bookman in A Hole in the World. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Went from all to... Uh, yeah, so... David has no idea what we're talking you about, no but you don't, you don't want to know, know eventually. Know. We will not spoil it for you, but yeah, two very hard episodes, two pivotal epi- yep, episodes. Very freaking hard episodes yeah. to watch. Yeah, so I just thought it was interesting that both the watchers get called Bookman. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of like hard things, like I just... What... Giles says at the very end when he's looking at Jenny's grave and he says, my years as watcher, I buried too many people. Jenny was the first I loved. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, and the last. the last. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that was one of the main things that's really hard about rewatching the show and seeing Jenny die is that you never see Giles find that love again. Like Jenny really is, in my opinion, the last person he loves. Like there's that girl... Olivia. Um, Olivia. I think Olivia. he could have loved Olivia. I could have. could have, but yeah. I think that he recognized what his life was like, and I don't think that he cared about her enough to risk that kind of relationship, and so he just didn't allow himself to pour a lot well, I think into he was it. scared. I think he wanted to. Like, you see in um, the last episode in the fourth season, you see that, that parallel in the dream where, like, she's crying and she's pregnant, and, like... 
in his mind, he's like, I, there's my human life I could have with her. I could have a family. I can have kids, but she's going to be miserable. I'm going to be miserable because like, I'm going to be out fighting and she's not going to wonder if I'm going to come. She's going to wonder if I'm ever going to come home or like, just like the, the tortures that come with being a watcher. Yeah. That's interesting that you pick that up because I translate it as then the conversations he has with Olivia in season four, Giles seemed like he was ready to take that next step in the relationship Mm -hmm. with Olivia. She's the one that says, that's what I got. I'm not sure if I can do yeah. this. And so I think it's Olivia's decision not to move forward. And then in Restless, you see Giles literally having not even paying attention to Olivia crying, being so completely like um, he's distracted by Buffy that he's not even paying attention to the women around him. And I think it just he in subconsciously, he starts to realize that he's been choosing Buffy and his role as a watcher over her over these women and i think he's realized that like if he's going to have a life he has to choose it soon or else it's always going to be buffy yeah Um, and it's just it's it's hard and it's sad to see because like giles just really deserves to have that but it's like unfortunately just like buffy like they had a role to play and stuff and i think that maybe after the end of the show and stuff they might be a little bit more freed up to like have that kind of life yeah but you know, at least during the duration of the show, like it's almost impossible for them to keep healthy relationships. And that was the sad thing about Jenny too, because, you know, Jenny out of anybody Giles could have dated was the perfect one. Cause sure. she was, you know, she was in the fight. She was, yeah. you know, researching and she was, you know, all about she that understood. life. And so she would have understood his role as a watcher and she would have been Helped like him. helpful for him. Yeah. And so, you know, if anybody could have shared the life of, uh, you know, a watcher, it would have been Jenny. And, Ugh, you know, that's it why it's so, you know, gut wrenching when Angel does what he does and why Giles can never forgive Angel because Giles is like, you took, you know, my one chance at happiness from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, finding what he had with Jenny is so rare for someone in his line of work. Yeah. Yeah, man. If someone killed my wife, I would probably never. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd try and kill yeah. him too. I'd probably be like River Giles too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Understandably, that is okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's everything. David, thanks for joining us. This is really fun. Yeah, I had fun. Yeah, we'll have to have you on again soon. So keep another episode in mind. I will. <laughs> thanks, guys, for listening to our Scooby Secrets. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram at Becoming Buffy Podcast and then email us Becoming Buffy Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, just let us know what you thought of passion. Um, maybe some of the most heart wrenching moments in the season for you um, and even in the show. We've got several more coming up. But yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there. So we're thankful for you guys and we hope you have a good rest of your week.